0: Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. So what we pick up here as we try to figure out this movie that we've been born into is that there's an agenda. There's intention. So so God created man, he created our ancestors, Adam and Eve, with an intention, with an objective, and with an agenda. So the objective was to make man in the image of God. And the agenda, then, was to have this man rule over the earth and and exercise God-like qualities over the earth. That's the objective and that's the agenda. Okay, let's go to verse 27. So that was his intention. And verse 27 says that he carried it out. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And then God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Great. Got it 2020. I know the agenda now. Right. So I was born in uh, 1962, knew nothing. Ran around for 15 years, knowing nothing. And then I got a tap on the shoulder that basically said I exist. And so at 15, I had this desire to know Who created me? Because I was kind of listening to evolution in biology class and thinking that can't be right. For eight years, I searched diligently, trying to figure out who is this God. Searched every religion I could find, trying to find answers. And at 23, God opened up the Bible to me. So for me, I've spent 30 years studying this text. And, And now I know the agenda. Born in the middle of a movie. The agenda is man to be in God's image and to exercise dominion over the earth. Great. Got it. Chapter 3. Now we see a competing agenda. So it's not just that there's an agenda. So God wants to create man in his own image, give that man dominion over the earth. There's a competing agenda. Let's see it in chapter 3. Now, the serpent, okay, so there's another character that enters now. So we've got God, we've got Adam and Eve, and now we've got a fourth character enter the movie. The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And, and you see these images of Adam and Eve, or Eve and the serpent, and it's always uh, Eve with an apple. The Bible doesn't say it's an apple. And it's always this snake in the tree. Doesn't say it was a snake. It says it was a serpent. And the curse afterwards is that he would be on the ground. On his belly, he would crawl. So at this point, when the serpent approaches Eve, we've got to get this notion out of our head that it's a snake. Could have walked up to her. Maybe he walked up uh, on, on all fours. Maybe he walked on two legs. Maybe he flew. Who knows? But afterwards, he was cursed that he would be on his belly. But this serpent was more subtle than any of the other beasts, so there were many beasts of the field, but this one was subtle. And he said to the woman, Yes, has God said that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Ah, now we see a contradiction to God's word. The serpent said to the woman, God's a liar. And oh, God said you would die. He lied. You shall not surely die. For God knows, in the day you eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So now we see another agenda. We see God, the Creator, With his creation, Adam and Eve, a loving God, loving his creation, pronouncing it good. And then this character enters to deceive Adam and Eve and destroy them. Why? Why would he do that? So we need to go to Isaiah now, 14, to get the context of this fourth character. Why did he enter the picture? And what is he doing here with the woman? Isaiah 14. So so far we saw there's an agenda, there's an objective. We're going to make man in our image, we're going to give him dominion over the earth. And then we see this fourth character that's not on the gen, not on the agenda. He's not on plan. He's got another concept, another idea, another construct. What is that? Isaiah 14 verse 12. Speaking of Lucifer, how are you fallen from heaven, oh, okay? So this character was in heaven and he's fallen. O Lucifer, bringer of light. This was a powerful being that has fallen from heaven. Son of the morning. How are you cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Everyone will worship me. Verse 14. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. So now we see the competing agenda. There's one agenda where God says, man will be like the most high. And then there's this other agenda where Lucifer says, I will be like the Most High. And then there's Eve in the middle. And she chose to cooperate with this agenda. And that's the beginning. That's how the movie begins, that we've been born into. Two competing agendas. Agenda number two, getting the upper hand. So we're going to make Satan, Lucifer, like the Most High. How successful is this competing agenda? Let's quickly go to Revelation 12. Revelation 12, very familiar verse, verse 9, says, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent. So we see serpent and dragon interchangeable. So maybe the dragon in the the garden had four legs. So here we see the dragon was cast out. That old serpent going right back to the Garden of Eden called the devil. The adversary. The one with a competing agenda. Satan. Which deceives the whole world. Oh. So we kind of we went to the beginning of the movie, where we saw Adam and Eve, and we saw these two competing agendas. Now we fast forward, getting to the end of the movie, and we see the agenda of the devil is quite successful. He's deceived the whole world. His agenda is, I will be like the Most High. I, I'll have the whole congregation of the earth worship me, and the Bible confirms this agenda is successful. Started with Eve, hijacked her, kidnapped her, got her husband, and has been capturing mankind ever since, and bringing them into captivity to worship him as the Most High. Bible says, very successful. So we know how it starts, we see how it ends. Now, we're in the movie. We have a choice. As I reckon it, we have three roles we can play. Role number one is we can play a role of significance that advances God's agenda. We can participate in the creation of mankind in God's image. Or we can have a role of significance in agenda number two. We can advance the cause of Lucifer. We can help bring mankind into captivity and worship the devil. Two choices. Significant role in Agenda 1. Significant role in Agenda 2. And then there's another role we can play. Every movie needs extras. We can be an extra. So you know... You go to rehearsals, and you see the director just trying to get the scene just right. And he says to the actor, the lead role, can you give us not so much emotion, just dial it back a little bit, but try again. Cut, try, and they're really working the actor. And then you come along, or I come along. I'm here for the rehearsal. Okay, what's your name? Adrian. Oh, you're an extra. Just wait over there, and I'll give you the signal. When you get the signal... Just scream. Okay? Uh, do you want a loud scream? Do you want, like, what kind of scream? What, how, I can do screams really well. How do, you, how do you want it? It doesn't matter. What do you mean? You're an extra. There's going to be an earthquake or a flood or something. You're all going to be wiped out. So when you hear a loud noise, just scream. It doesn't matter what you do. You're an extra. Okay. So we can, we can play a role of significance here. Advancing God's agenda. Many are playing roles of significance, advancing the devil's agenda. And then there's all these extras. And we can be extras. I think, and and you know what? We don't write the script. We don't write the movie. The movie is happening. We're born into it. So we can, and I'll speak to our young people, We can run around and pursue careers and forget God, and it doesn't matter. Knock yourself out. And when you hear a loud noise, scream, because you're an extra. Or you can understand the movie that we've been born into and play a role of significance. Because all the significant players in the Bible were young people. All of them. Except for Adam and Eve. All the others were young people who grew up and decided to play a role of significance. And that's the call. Let's now continue in the movie and go to Genesis 6. Genesis 6. While you're turning there, I just have to walk in the center. Just, I, I feel this need to use the space. So, there. Got that off my chest. <laughs> it's great. It's a good configuration. So, Genesis 6 continues the movie. It says this, and, and I'll ask for your thoughts on this. I don't have a full answer. But this is part of the movie. And it's a, a Genesis, every word of Genesis matters. There's not a word in Genesis that we can skip over. Genesis is all about how the movie begins. It's all context. We need every word in Genesis. Because everything that's happening today began in Genesis. It's context. And if there's something we don't understand, it doesn't mean it's not important. This is something I don't fully understand. Genesis 6 verse 1. And it came to pass... When men began to multiply on the face of the earth, so now we're starting to see a population explosion. We're starting to see lots of, it's sort of like an exponential formula here. We start with two people, and then they have four, and you see this exponential, and suddenly they're starting out. Now we're seeing increase. So now there's lots of people on the earth. And daughters were born unto them. Verse 2 that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose. I'm just reading the text. I don't know. But I do know that sons of God everywhere in the Old Testament means angels. And I do know that in the New Testament, Christ says that we will be like the angels who neither marry nor give in marriage. So, angels do not have sexuality. And yet, here, I'm reading that the sons of God, and again, everywhere in the Old Testament, uh, really is here in Job, wherever sons of God are mentioned, it's angels. In the New Testament, it's human beings, Christians. But in the Old Testament, it's angels. The sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. Let's go to Matthew 8. Here's my explanation for this, and I'll I'll invite yours, because I don't have the answer. Matthew 8. Verse 28 says, and when he, Jesus Christ, was come to the other side of the country, of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils. Coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce. So these are two human beings that have been demon possessed. And they are fierce. So fierce that no man might pass that way. No man. I don't care how strong you think you are. You can't take on these two creatures. These two humans that have been possessed. I'm I'm just reading the text. Some of us don't believe in the spiritual world, maybe. I'm just reading the text. Demons possess human beings. And when I spoke uh, last week, I think about Acts 2, where tongues were languages. And the people were speaking so that every language could understand the gospel. That's tongues. What we see in Pentecostalism, and even in our church, people think tongues is this gibberish thing. That's demonic. And I mentioned when you look at voodoo, and you see them inviting the spirits to take them over, the first thing that goes are their eyes. The second thing that goes is their tongue. This is this is electricity. We, we move through electricity. The brain sends electrical signals. That's how we move our muscles. This is electricity coming into a human being, and it's it, it's firing electrical signals through the body, and the muscles are moving. That happens when you're new to it. As the voodooists keep inviting these familiar spirits, the spirit learns to control the human being more more engagingly. So they can actually speak through the human being. Initially, it's gibberish because it's just so new and novel. But as they do it over and over, the body gets accustomed to it, and then they can speak through the human So this tongue stuff in Christianity is pure Satanism. Let's read the text. Verse 29. And behold, they cried out, saying, They cried out of the human beings, and spoke through the human beings to Jesus Christ. The human beings were not talking. The demons were talking out of the mouths of the human beings. They cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Are you come here to torment, torment us before the time? So they know the agenda. They know they're on a deadline. And they're like, "What? what you're, you're interrupting. We, we have some time, don't we? And they're talking to the Lord. Verse 30. And there was a good way off from them a herd of many swine feeding. So the devils begged him, saying, if you cast us out, so we're we're inhabiting these souls here, these these two human beings, we're in them. If you're going to cast us out of here, and it's us, it doesn't sound like it's two demons, it's a few of them in two human beings. So Jesus, if you're going to take us out of these human beings, there's a herd of swine over there. I'm just reading the text, which I believe. I've proven the Bible is true. So I know this happened. If you cast us out, allow us to go into the herd of swine. And Christ said to them, go. And when they came out of the human beings, they went into the herd of swine. So it's almost like they have to have a host. So they're in the humans. If you cast us out, let us go into the swine. So that's immediately what they did. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently. This electrical signaling went into the body. And and they couldn't. They just had to run. They had to express the energy. So as soon as they went into the swine, the swine ran violently. The same way the human beings were acting violently. Down a steep place. Couldn't even control themselves. Into the sea. And perished in the waters. Now notice verse 33. And they that kept them fled. So there were human beings that were possessed of devils. And there were people keeping them, using them. Even though they were violent, there were people who could have them on a leash. They fled and they went their way into the city and told everything that was befallen to those that were possessed of the devils. My explanation, and let's let's talk, because I don't have the answer here, but this is a significant event. I believe these fallen angels saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they ended up possessing men in order to impregnate the women. And in doing so, we're manipulating the DNA. The same way that we see dinosaurs who are vicious, or were vicious. We know God didn't create that. But it was here. There's proof. And now we see here in Genesis, going back to Genesis 6, this union between the sons of God and the daughters of men. In verse 3, the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Verse 4, There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and bore children to them. The same became mighty men, which were of old, Men of renown. So something happened here. And the offspring were mighty men. Giants. seem manipulated in some way. And this, is, this manipulation isn't new. And it hasn't, it hasn't stopped. And I just want to read to you a quote today. Of a radical plan for transplanting a head onto someone else's body. This is what our scientists are doing. Man is made in God's image, we're manipulating the image. It's heady stuff, the world's first attempt to transplant a human head will be launched this year at a surgical conference in the US. The move is a call to arms to get interested parties together to work towards the surgery. This uh, scientist, Canav- Canavero, plans to announce the project at the annual conference of the American Academy of Neurological and Orthopedic Surgeons in Annapolis, Maryland, this June. Is society ready for such momentous surgery? The first attempt at a head transplant was carried out on a dog by a Soviet surgeon, Vladimir Demikov, in '54. a puppy's head. And four legs were transplanted onto the back of a larger dog. but the dog only survived between two and six days. The first successful head transplant in which one head was replaced by another, was carried out in 1970, and this was done by monkeys. And this is what our scientists do. And we see prosthesis now are tremendous, the prosthetics, limbs. So it wouldn't surprise me if we actually see a human head on a prosthetic body. Or a human head on a chimpanzee's body. And chimpanzees are fierce. But this is what we do. This is is the mind of man under the agenda of Satan. And so this manipulation, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what this says. But there's something here. That God wants us to know. So I'd just like to ask you, what do you think? What what is it? And and it ends in verse 5 here. God saw the wickedness of man that it was great in the earth. That every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And I'll tell you, they'll present this head transplant as a way to help man. God says, if you're on the other agenda, every thought is evil continually. So it'll be presented to help man, but it'll be implemented as evil. But I'll, I'll just ask you. I'll, I'll pause because I don't have the answer. But it's significant. What do you think? What is it? How would you explain the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair? And then they had these offspring and they called uh, Nephilim or giants.
1: Pastor That I guess uh, um, that explanation is... That explanation is as plausible a one as I've heard, um, especially in relation to scripture in the New Testament that says angels uh, have no sexuality. Um, I've heard other explanations that I can't quite get my head around, which aren't for for discussion here, uh, but as far as the head transplant, um, I'm glad I don't get it <laughs> <laughs> um, but every time you think you've seen the worst that man can do, we continue to hit new lows yeah. so
0: the thoughts I genuinely don't know really
2: um, this is something that uh, we've looked at too and I've come to the same conclusion as you scripture supports um, that the sons of God were were angels um, even the closest um, person whom God selected to use being the prophets in the Old Testament, we never called sons of God. They're called son of man. Um, and also, this is a really good scripture that you pointed to in uh, Matthew 8. I really like that. That explains giants. The Hebrew word implies tyrants. It's so obviously somebody with a violent, mm. evil intent. But Jude adds a little bit more light to that. And in Jude, uh, verses 6 to 8 where he talks about the angels, which kept not their first estate, seems to support what that.
0: And what do you think about the possibility that they may have been manipulating the the genetic pool?
2: That I don't know, honestly. I haven't looked at that. But the one thing that the mindset that is evil and against God's created being would be when they would Do what is contrary, what God said. When you go into the land, don't do as the inhabitants. Incest is one thing that will lead to genetic Mm -hmm. deformations Mm -hmm. or whatever, mutations. So that's a way to alter DNA. Can you read it?
1: Sure. Jude 6-8. That's a good good scripture there, Olivia. Uh, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he is reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these have given themselves over to sexual immorality and have gone after strange flesh as, Are set forth as an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire.
0: That is a good scripture. That does. Yeah. So we weren't here, but God wants us to know something happened and it was evil. And judging from what we see today... With uh, what we call modern science, or what I might call sorcery. Uh, we see the same intent manipulating the gene pool. Uh, this is not coming from God, this is manipulation. The story continues in Genesis 10. We see uh, God floods the earth in Genesis 6, but Noah finds grace. In Genesis 10, then, Noah and his family come through the flood, there's, so there's a restart. So the movie kind of, there's an intermission. We kind of come to an end, and there's a restart in Genesis 10. The sons of Ham, verse 6, Cush, Ethiopia, Mizraim, Egypt, Fut, Libya, and Canaan, Lebanon. I believe those are the areas. And the sons of Cush, Seba and Havilah and Sabta, and Ramah, and and it goes on. So it wants us to know who's descended from who. And then verse 8. Another significant player God doesn't want us to be ignorant of. Verse 8. Cush begat Nimrod. This is important. This is pivotal. So Ham comes through the flood with his father Noah, and then he has a son called Cush, and Cush has a son called Nimrod. This this must not escape us. This is, this is big. And he began... Uh, so Genesis is all about beginnings. Here's a beginning. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. So we saw something about mighty ones in Genesis 6. We saw the flood. We see Ham coming through the flood. And then having... This descendant called Nimrod, which is also a mighty one in the earth, but after the flood. Verse 9, and Nimrod meaning rebel, so he's not on God's agenda. He's on the competing agenda. He became a mighty one. Verse 9, he was a mighty hunter. The word says before. It's panim. It actually means against. He was a mighty hunter against the Lord. He was against the Lord. Nimrod rebel against the Lord. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter against the Lord. So this was a a powerful being that when people really wanted to talk about something being powerful, they would defer to Nimrod. Even like the power of Nimrod. Verse 10, so we know the competing agenda is to capture mankind and bring him under dominion to the devil. That's the competing agenda, that the devil will be like the Most High. God's agenda is that man will be like the Most High. Devil's agenda is to take that man and make him serve the devil, and the devil will be like the Most High. That's the competing agenda. Verse 10, we see this mighty hunter... And I think of uh, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi when I see this. That it's not just going out hunting deer. He's so powerful, he's hunting human beings and capturing them. And the beginning of his kingdom, so he's beginning to now subdue humans and set up a kingdom. And this is the beginning of his kingdom. Genesis is all about beginnings. How did things begin? Here's how it began. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Erech, and Akkad, and Kalna, in the land of Shinar, Babylon. So he is the founder of Babylon. Out of that land went forth Assyria, and built Nineveh, and the city Rehoboth and Kala, and resin between Nineveh and Kala, the same is a great city. So we see here now the establishment of civilization. This is how civilization began. Dropping down to verse 32. These are the families of Noah. After their generations in their nations. By these were the nations divided in the earth. After the flood. So now we see how the nations got divided. How the nations were established. They're all families. Verse 11, Chapter 11 verse 1 is significant. The whole earth. Was of one language. The entire earth. All human beings spoke the same language. But that's not all. But wait, there's more. Not only were they of the same language, they were also of the same speech. The language that they used, language is a tool to communicate, the ideas that they communicated were the same. They had the same language, they had the same concept. The whole earth. Everyone was in agreement. Verse 2. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a place in the land of Babylon, right where King Nimrod is. So they came to King Nimrod, and they dwelt there. And it's a shame when you see the news this week with uh, ISIS going into Iraq and destroying all of these monuments, which come out of the land of Shinar. This this is the story of mankind. These are not in temples that people are worshipping these idols. They're in a museum telling the story of mankind. And now these guys are destroying them. And we can hardly get people to believe the Bible today when there's archaeological proof to support the Bible. And now they're coming and destroying these artifacts that are 5,000 years old that substantiate the word of God. And we can hardly get people to believe God when there's proof. Now they're destroying the proof. And you wonder about our our society. These things are thousands of years old. Everything in our society is digital. You get ISIS in control of the servers that contain all of this information, and they will wipe it all out. And our whole society will be, a hundred years from now, people will look back and say, what did these people do? There's no evidence they did anything. Because it's all so fragile. So these guys have a concept. They went into a library and destroyed everything in the library that did not support Islam. But anyway, the proof is there. All of this is, 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 is uh, there's proof of it. Verse 3. They said one to another, So they all speak the same language and they all have the same concept. Let's go to King Nimrod's land and let's worship this mighty man of war. We all agree. Now that we're here, they say to one another, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, let us build a city Let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. Remember, they're on the competing agenda. They're not on God's agenda. They're on the agenda that says Satan will be like the Most High. And Satan's king, Nimrod, he will be like the Most High. So let's get together and let's build this tower that reaches heaven. And let's challenge God. Now, We can't help, and I'll speak for myself, I can't help but look back through the lens of history to this time with a downward glance. I can't help it. I'm in a society that believes in evolution, and it's all around me. So whenever I look backward, I somehow think that we're better today, we're smarter, we're more capable. And so I look back and I think, oh, these foolish people. And I have to rewire my brain deliberately and say, okay, what if these people are way smarter than I will ever be? What if they're way stronger than I will ever be? What if they actually knew what they were doing? Maybe I should have respect for this. So now I read it with a new lens, a more divine lens that says God just wants me to know what happened in the past. Everybody, no matter how smart, they all spoke the same language and they had the same concept. Let's worship Nimrod. And let's build a tower for him that challenges the heavens. What if this was a scientific breakthrough? What if they were really onto something here? Let's read. And let us make us a name In case we're scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth, let's make sure that everybody knows who we are. Now, when we say here, let us make brick. And they had brick for stone. Again, I can't help with my mind when I see this, thinking of bricks about this size. And let's make bricks and pass them to one another. And let's start to build this tower. Let me give you some history. In a site called Baalbek, they have found stonework where a tower was built. Not necessarily this tower, but another tower. Where the stones, one stone, is 2,000 tons. One stone. A ton is 2,000 pounds. So one stone, it is perfectly rectangular. Perfect rectangle. And it is 4 million pounds. That's how heavy it is. And it has been lifted 25 feet in the air. It sits on smaller stones. And that stone is one of many stones that formed the foundation of this tower that was being built. To this day, the smartest of us, the the, the highest of scientists and archaeologists, look at this and say, they have no idea. These stones, not only are they lifted 25 feet in the air, they fit together so perfectly that if you take a razor blade, you cannot get the razor blade between them. We have no idea. Look up Baalbek, B-A-A-L-B-E-C-K. They have no idea, and you you can fact check me right now. They say of the Tower of Babel that it would take a year to get a stone from the ground to the highest point before they had to stop building. That's how incredibly tall this tower was. Maybe they were doing something really significant. We can look at it and say it's foolish. God didn't. God took it seriously. When God looked down from heaven and saw what they were doing, and I don't know how long they were at it. Maybe they were at it for 10 years. Maybe they were at it for 100 years. But God looked from heaven, and he took it seriously. He didn't say what fools. Look at this. Actually, yes, verse 5. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children built. And the Lord said, Behold, the people are one, and they have all one language, and this is what they begin to do, and God's respect for them. Now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down and confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So they were sharing knowledge with each other of such scientific significance, of such archaeological significance, that God said, let's stop that. Let's interrupt that. These are human beings made in God's image who are very intelligent and they're sharing knowledge with one another. And they're building, these, these masons are building this structure and this city. Let's interrupt it. They, they, they are really advanced. Let's interrupt it. So the Lord scattered them. The very thing that they were afraid of is what the Lord did. The Lord scattered them abroad from there upon the face of all the earth. And they left off to build the city. They were interrupted. Hold your place here and come with me to Acts eight, Acts eight and verse three. As for Saul, he made havoc. Of the church. He, he tore the church apart. This Saul was destructive. He made havoc. Of the church. Entering into every house. He was thorough. And hailing men and women. Committed them to prison. Verse 4. Therefore. They that were scattered. These are our brethren. Who all had the same concept in their mind. They were scattered abroad. They went everywhere with the concept. And now today, Christianity, from this small little sect, is all over the world. You can destroy people, you can't destroy ideas. You can scatter people, they take the ideas with them. So Christianity is now all over the world because of this apparent attempt to to destroy the people of God but scatter them. Let's go back to Genesis 11. What we see here in Genesis 11, Genesis is about beginnings, context. We see a people that all share the same concept, and we'll call them a people interrupted. They were interrupted. God changed the language, he didn't change the concept. So even though they couldn't talk together anymore, and they had to separate, they all took Nimrod with them. This religious political system, this way of organizing cities, these masons, all went as the foundation of every nation. And that's why we see the worship of Nimrod everywhere. That's why we see pagan symbols everywhere. This image is disgusting. This is a satanic image. Star of David, are you kidding me? I think they think they're doing us a favor by putting this here. This is an occult symbol. Has nothing to do with the children of Israel. Its representation is evil and it's found everywhere. This is a symbol of Nimrod and Semiramis. It's in every culture, every culture. The crescent moon and the star, Nimrod and Semiramis. The man who married his own mother. You notice Mizraim was worshiping Nimrod. He is the Nimrod is the first pharaoh of Egypt. This activity of building a tower to challenge God, we know the sons of God, the angels, the fallen angels, were interacting with mankind to the point where they would even marry the, 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 well, I shouldn't say we know, we think, would even marry the women. And tradition says taught them witchcraft, taught them the occult, taught them incantations. And that went into every nation. So the foundation of religion for every nation is Nimrod. And the founding pharaoh is Nimrod. They call him Osiris. And every pharaoh claims heredity to Nimrod, Osiris. And their whole life is preparing to meet Osiris. And all the pyramids that they build, This same concept that they got from Babel is to prepare themselves to meet Osiris. So when we say Pharaoh, we have to understand how powerful this individual was. He is in the lineage of Nimrod, a mighty man on the earth. People that people worshipped and when they wanted to regard something powerfully, they would say like Nimrod mighty hunter against God. Somehow they built this tower a two million ton stone. They had the technology, the ability to lift these stones and build these towers. To this day, our best engineers, our best architects just look and say, we have no idea. We look at the pyramids, we say we have no idea. But we know whatever knowledge they had in Babel when they split, the foundation of Assyria is Nimrod. The foundation of Babylon is Nimrod. The foundation of Egypt is Nimrod. That statue that Daniel saw, that's the statue of Nimrod. He just lives through every society. There's, there's an agenda here. There's a religion here that competes against God's agenda. And it's everywhere. This is what the children of Israel were being held captive with this religion of Nimrod. In Babylon, he's called Baal, and Ashtoreth is his mother. The Germans called her Hertha and child. The Scandinavians, Disa and child. In India, he's Devaki and Krishna, or Isi and Eswara. In Asia, it's Sibyl and Deus. In Rome, it's Fortuna and Jupiter. In Greece, Irene and Plutus. In China, he's referred to as Xing Mu. Christianity, we say Mother Mary and Baby Jesus. It's all Nimrod and Semiramis, everywhere. And in Egypt, Osiris and Isis. And then Osiris dies and comes back as Horus, the original trinity. Osiris, Isis, and Horus. This is the trinity. So this is what, and I'll just wrap up now, As we go back to Exodus, let's first go to Exodus 7. This is what the night-to-be-much-observed pictures, brethren. This is a satanic cult that Satan himself participates in the subjection of mankind. Nimrod was an oppressor. Osiris and all of his lineage of pharaohs were oppressors. Assyrians were oppressors, Babylonians oppressors. God wants to release man from this bondage. And this is real bondage. We're we're talking about the devil himself participating in the bondage. The, The people of Egypt looked at their Pharaoh as a divine being. Because Nimrod they saw as a divine being. And they do their incantations and their chants. And they delve in the devil world. And they use this spirit world to oppress mankind. I might sound crazy. I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible. Exodus 7 verse 10. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh. This God being. They saw him as God. But not Moses and Aaron, but the Egyptians. And they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants. And it became a serpent, the miraculous hand of God. Verse 11. Then Pharaoh, this God being, also called the wise men and the sorcerers. That's a part of this religion, sorcery. They're in communication with the spirit world. I'm not making this up. It's in the text. It's in the text. They ruled with participation of the devil. And people looked at these miracles, and they gave honor. And they were oppressed. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. So he saw the miracle, and he wasn't fazed. Because he's familiar with the supernatural. So he rings his bell and he calls his sorcerers. Now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. For they cast down every man, not one special sorcerer. All of his sorcerers came. And they all had the confidence that they could match this. This is Egypt. This is the oppression that the children of Israel were subjected to. For they cast down every man his rod, and they all became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. So Egypt had power. When you saw these pyramids, you felt like a bigot. When you saw these statues, they showed the power of the Pharaoh. And you're going to challenge this God being? Well, Moses did. Aaron did. Because the Lord was with them. Chapter 13. Actually, we read chapter 13. Let's let's finish in chapter 12. So, brethren, what I wanted to bring out today is context. We're born in the middle of a movie. But God wants us to understand context. So he gives us these holy days, hoping that as we rehearse them, we get the story. We get the movie. And we understand where we're born in the movie and what the agendas are. There are two agendas. So we just have to decide, which agenda do we care about? Which agenda do we want to advance? Or are we just an extra? Let's, let's advance God's agenda. And as we do, let's realize we serve the Lord, the Lord who brought Israel out of the iron grip of Pharaoh. You don't mess with Pharaoh, you don't mess with Nimrod. These guys are in league with the devil. They kiss him good night before they go to bed. And when they wake up, they kiss him good morning. And they're in communion. And they have an agenda to oppress man, to hold man captive. And God has another agenda. And as successful as Satan's agenda is, God is working this other agenda very quietly, very deliberately. Very few first fruits. That's us. Exodus 12. And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses, verse 37, to Succoth. About 600,000 on foot that were men beside children. 600,000 men. So maybe we've got 2 million people coming out of Egypt. And a mixed multitude went up also with them. And flocks and herds, even very much cattle. So this is a real significant movement that Pharaoh has no power. Pharaoh has no power. And they baked unleavened cakes in the dough which they brought forth out of Egypt. For it was not leavened. Because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not tarry. Neither had they prepared for themselves any victual. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years. They were in Egypt for 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the self-same day, great uh, sermon that Deacon Jan gave us about this, the very same day, it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. From the land of Egypt. We don't know what this means. But God wants us to know what this means. Millions of people just got up and said, Pharaoh, see you later. And he couldn't do anything. This God being. Pseudo God being. Evil God being. Verse 42. This is where I wanted to end. It is a night. This night is a night to be much observed unto the Lord. Egypt has not gone away. It's here. Babylonia, it's here. It hasn't gone away. The book of Revelation speaks of Egypt and Babylonia. So, so the movie ends with Egypt and Babylonia still strong. God has to bring them down. We're still in the movie. Egypt is still here. We're not in Egypt. God has put his protective covering over us. We've been brought out of Egypt. Scripture says it is a night to be much observed unto the Lord. For bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generations. So brethren, as we get together this year or as you get together this year let's come together realizing we're a part of God's agenda. The devil has no power over us. We've been released from this bondage of mankind. Eight billion people on the the planet and eight billion minus a fraction are under this bondage of Egypt. We're not. It's a night to be much observed.